All right, all right, all right, everybody. Let's settle in. Welcome. Come on in here. Come on in here. Matter of fact, let's get it going right. Um, hey, Google, play Curtis Mayfield, People Get Ready. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling that. Okay. People Get Ready that. by Curtis Mayfield. Here it is on Spotify. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got you to gotta set the tone. You know, you got to set the tone. You know, sometimes we're in a very excitable space, depending on what's going on in your life. Sometimes you're a little more relaxed. But when you enter in this particular realm, we want to make sure that you get ready. We make sure that you settle on in. Get ready for the show that's about to happen. Get ready for this train that's about to go off. You just, you just get on board. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me stop it right there before the video gets flagged. Hello, America. Hello, world. Hello, you. It is your new best friend, Cashmere, California. And this is the Pod is Good podcast. Episode 20. Episode 20. Pod is good. And all the time, if you know, you know. If you don't, keep listening you will find out, ladies and gentlemen, another incredibly engaging show is about to get underway. It has begun, whether you know it or not. In the studio, I have one of my guys. and We had this incredible fireside conversation just a few short months ago, and I told him, when I get the channel going, when the show is underway, you got to get on. You got to come and talk to the people. You got to share your insight. You got to share your life's work. You got to share your perception. You know, oftentimes we talk about wanting to know how to do better in the future, how to get to the places that we want to be. But we all know that you can't get to a better future unless you truly understand your past, unless you truly understand the dynamics and the strides that you, your family, your people, your culture have made to get you to the place that you're at. So with that, we try to bring on voices that shed light on those spaces, voices that see today from a different perspective than you might because of their years of experience of watching culture evolve, watching America evolve. And today is no different. So Settle in. I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. Please share the broadcast. If you're unable to share the broadcast, tell me in the chat. I'll do what I can to figure things out for you. We do have the show streaming live on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitch. And very shortly, all of these episodes will be available audio only on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and any other place that you get your favorite podcast, and we are hoping that this becomes one of your favorites. So ladies and gentlemen, without further delay or obstruction, let's get the show underway. Today, my guy is going to speak with us about uh, African-American history, um, a lot of things in Black culture. I told him I wanted to talk about the problem that we have with our people in prison. I wanted to talk a little politics with him. 
And I wanted to go back and kind of do a, a brief overview of what he's seen in America during his life so we can get a greater understanding and appreciation for why he has the things going on in his present time and why he works so diligently to pour into youth to help them forge ahead to the future. My guy walking into the studio, my man, Mr. Brother Eric Clay. How are you, sir? I'm great now. Uh, for those who don't know, we had some tech technical difficulties earlier, but yes. uh, we've overcome them by the grace of God. Yes, and sir. Uh, I'm just happy to be here, you know, in on in the pod with uh, with James this this afternoon. Uh, my guy, somebody who uh, I've grown to appreciate, did not get a uh, background is that uh, didn't get an opportunity to watch this young man grow up, but had watched him become a man uh, of stature, a father, um, a good husband, and somebody who's willing to um, give back to the community. Uh, uh, just a all around uh, good person and uh, just happy to be uh, here to just just delight in what it is that he has to offer. So I'm going to give whatever I input I can. I heard all the accolades and all of that. Let me let everyone know. <laughs> First off, I'm no expert in anything. That's my disclaimer. Uh, and that I am a lifelong learner. Yes. Lifelong yes. Learner. And as that's, uh, that's be. my claim to fame. As we all should be. And, and as they say, each one teach one. And so that is what we are here to do is to grow from one another. And our experiences are sometimes more than enough. More than That's enough when they're shared, more than enough to create growth in the next man. So let's start first with uh, Brother Eric. Where were you born? Well, I was born in uh, what they would call Northern California. I was born in Martinez, California, which, and raised in Richmond, California, which Hello. is the Bay Area. Yes, sir. Hello, Bay Area. Yes, yes, Richmond. I know it. I know it well. I was on that that bridge that connects. Uh, what is it, Richmond and Vallejo? Right. right. Constantly, Richmond. constantly. That's the uh, the Carcanus Bridge. Carcanus uh, Bridge. Yeah, and more people would be more familiar with the Golden State, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge that right. links uh, Marin to San Francisco and the uh, Oakland-San Francisco Bay Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Tons of bridges out there. You know, so much water, people don't realize. It's not just the Golden Gate. Well, San Francisco <laughs> San Francisco's a hub, and it's a peninsula. So, you know, I mean, talking history, I mean, when they didn't have bridges, they had to use ferries. So... Right. You know, the bridges connect all the all the water um, uh, the waterlands together, and uh, there's about seven about seven major bridges that have to be crossed. You know, from various uh, different areas in the Bay Area. So you know, um, you know, we're happy for we're happy for the bridge workers when there used to be and they don't have toll workers anymore. It took right, all the right. toll workers away, made everything automated, which. You know, it's part of. I'm sorry, my hands in, which is part of uh, 
you know, progress that has taken jobs away, you know. Yeah, unfortunately. It's like it adds one one job for one technician that just looks at all the coding and the software and then takes away 100 jobs for the people actually there <laughs> doing the work. Right. Let me make some adjustments to my screen real quick. No worries, no worries. So, but you talk about um, uh, bridges, and speaking of the, the Bay Bridge, it reminds me of the day, the, the 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 scary moment where I was shaking around in Fairfield, California, which, if people don't know, is is not just around the corner from San Francisco. Uh, it's it's a what maybe 50, 60 miles. Around about fifty miles, um, Fairfield to San Francisco. Around fifty miles, so fifty miles away, laying on my couch, I at the what thirteen years old, my couch is shaking, and I actually thought that my dad was playing a trick on me or something. I thought he was messing with the couch, and I'm just kind of swaying back and forth on the couch. Get get up, realize he's not even in the room. And as you know, that day, the San Francisco earthquake happens and destroys the Bay Bridge. Do you remember where you were on that day? I think everyone in the Bay Area can account for where they were on that particular day. <laughs> yes. October or October of 89. And uh, it was uh, a devastating day. I was just had just gotten off from work i worked in dublin which is inland from uh east of san francisco and uh <clears throat> i was standing and pumping gas at a uh, at a gas station at a local gas station i just gotten off work and i saw the whole uh structure start to shake and move and i felt the earthquake and being in the Bay Area and being, you know, above 60 years old now, I've experienced a few shakers, you know, uh, in the Bay Area. Yeah. But this one was particularly, it went long and uh, and it was like rolling. It was yes. unusual. And uh, it kind of took me like, oh, an earthquake. But I... <laughs> Not know at the time the devastation that that particular earthquake had caused. Right, right. Living in Oakland at the time, and when I got uh, to residence, I was living at my uncle's house, at, uh, kind of house sitting. And when I got to the residence, the neighbors were saying, I, "I said, did you guys feel the earthquake?" They said, "Yeah, man, the the bridge fell." I said, "I said jokingly." They said, "No, the bridge fell." Right. And from there, started tuning into the news, saw the devastation, you know, and, uh, saw people actually in panic who were still trying to cross the bridge. I saw, I remember seeing one car that uh, took a nose dive because the way that the uh, Bay Bridge was structured and also um, the, uh, what we used to call Highway 17 uh, in, uh, uh, in Oakland, they were, yeah on top of each other. The bridges were constructed where you had eastbound uh, lanes going one way and they had built on top of that that bridge the westbound traffic 
And uh, so we had two bridges that had collapsed. One was the Oakland Bridge, Oakland San Francisco Bay Bridge, and the other was uh, the uh, La Peralta, I think. But uh, yeah, it was devastation for weeks to come. I know some people who had uh, loved ones who perished oh. in in that earthquake in the bridge situation, and uh, yeah, day that you will never forget. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Nobody, nobody from the Bay Area forgets uh, that day. And actually, I got it wrong. I said I was thirteen. I was actually more like eight or nine in '89. I was. I was. I think I was thinking of the. Northridge earthquake, I believe that was in '93, if I recall correctly. Um, you still hear me? Okay, I lost you for a moment. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, so so pretty much you lived in um, the Bay Area or Northern California your whole life. Did you ever live in any other states or any other countries? Can you hear me? Test, test. Lost my uh, my audio, so. You lost your audio? All right, give us a second, y'all, real quick. We're going to figure this out. You have to reconnect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let me pull him off. Some more technical difficulties. We've had that today. Uh, it's happened a few times, but you know we'll we'll get it together. We'll get it together. Um, yeah, I don't know if anybody else out there was around the Bay Area uh, during that '89 earthquake, but oh my, oh my, it was a shaker. It's one of them. It'll you'll feel like that's enough earthquake for the rest of my life. I, I don't need no more of that. Uh, let me tell him to disconnect and reconnect. See if that helps. But yeah, I um I remember it vividly. You know, you don't remember a ton of childhood <laughs> moments like that, but that that one stands out. That one stands out. You talking um, like I said, 50 miles away from the epicenter of the earthquake. And it's not like I just kind of felt, you know, some small shaking. I literally thought my dad was moving, like sliding the couch back and forth to and fro from head to toe. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And all, all to find out that it was just an earthquake. How's that any better? All right, so now I don't have you. I don't have you. I can, can you can hear me though. You can hear me. All right, we're gonna get it figured out, y'all. I, I do apologize for the blank blank spots, but you know, you don't bring on a guest and don't hear them, you know? You got to make sure our guests are, are are visible and audible at all times, and if not, you know, we got to bring out 
got to bring out the tech team and get it figured out so we can get back on. You know, this is almost like if Beyonce is in the middle of performing and the mic goes out, that's when you're going to see the sound crew. Okay. The sound crew got to come on and get it right. So can you hear me now, James? I can hear you now loud and clear. Can you see me? I can see you. Perfect. All right. We're good All to right, go. We back. we back in business. So you pretty much lived uh, in the Bay Area your whole life. My last question was, have you have you lived in any other states or countries? That is a firm no. Uh, I'm oh, Bay- Alley kid. Born and raised in Bay Area. I've traveled more uh, as an adult uh, than I did. Mm. Now, when I was 15 years old, I did a cross-country trip with my parents, my mom and my dad, uh, in a in a blue um, camper, open-road camper. And we went from California to New York in a camper. My dad was a, a truck driver by trade, so he loved to be on the road. And uh, we had um, major stops in uh, Cleveland, where my mom had a relative and aunt. And in Chicago, where my father had relatives, and that was okay. That was a trip that I'll never forget. I got a lot of education from uh, one of my dad's cousins. She was um, pretty much um, well-rounded. Uh, at 15 years old, she uh, gave me a book called "The, Super, the Rich and the Super Rich," which um, oh. basically. Um, talked about the economic giants of uh, from the Rockefellers to um, the DuPonts to um, the um, the Morgans, you know, and uh, wow. it, it was just an engaging book that uh, that uh, sent me on the journey to talk about uh, to learn about economics in America. Um, the getting, nice. you know, and uh, you know, it was just uh, that was an eye opener for me because you know, if it's years yeah. old, you're not thinking about much, right? Other right. than what what you can get, what kind of trouble you can get into as an adolescent. <laughs> she also, and what was that book called again? I'm sorry, what was that book called again? The Rich and the Super Rich, The Rich and the Super right. Rich. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's a reminder that there's there's levels. There are there are levels. You know, we uh, we understand that there's the one percent, and then there's the rest of us. Right. Right. Um, scary. You know, scary. Certain um, aspects of uh, of this world and this uh, this country, especially in this country, you know, that have um, have made a great divide in um, the economic trends of this world, uh, the um, um, the divisions in this world, and also uh, just certain systemic things that have occurred, um, whether they're racially uh, motivated or uh, whether they are uh, motivated by, you know, economic class, uh, classism, you know, and things of that nature. So uh, those are certain things that, that, you know, we've talked about. You and I talked about the, uh, some of those things last time that we were together on our Yeah, yeah. I mean, even fireside. And you saying, and you bringing up um, 
economic classism uh, that makes me, it reminds me of, um, of Tulsa. And, um, and so, you know, this, we kind of got into this uh, a couple episodes ago with a guy we were talking about um, the conversation of reparations. And, and in that conversation, we discussed what happened with Greenwood and, and, and how it wasn't, it's, it's one that's talked about, but it's not the only time that that happened. It's not the only time that uh, America, if you will, moved in on a thriving black community and destroyed it. Like what, from you studying it from when you started at such a young age, um, why did that happen? Well, first off, my background as I said, I'm not an expert or anything, but I am a lifelong learner. Uh, one of the things that I, just just talking culturally, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, um, and I grew up in California. So there was a lot of things that happened in the, in, in the Deep South, uh, Jim Crow and such, that I, did, I wasn't aware of, you know. Just, we didn't talk about it in school. You didn't learn about those things in school. Uh, when we uh, talked about American history, uh, we briefly uh, talked about the slavery, uh, Civil War. Uh, you know, there were certain uh, people that you that that you studied. You can probably know you. They probably did the same thing throughout the time that you were in school. I mean, we learned yeah. about Benjamin Banneker. You know, uh, right. we. Um, uh, we learned about uh, Christmas addicts, first, first, first man, person to fall during the American Revolution. He was a black man, you know. Then we learned a little bit about Frederick Douglass, and we learned a little bit about uh, Harriet Tubman, you know. People who uh, history just could not close the book on you know, mm. because they were so impactful. Uh, yeah. And we learned a little bit about uh, George Washington Carver, only one of thousands of uh, inventors that had um, had helped shape America. So right. there were a lot, of, in, unless you, now if you were in the South, from what I learned later on, if you were grow, growing up in the South, in the segregated South, uh, you had black educators and black educators educated black children. And so Coming out of the South, you probably you would probably know more about um, the black involvement in American history than you would in some place like California. Uh, mm. It's you know French, uh, which brings to mind the HBCUs. You know, uh, mm. a lot of people um, have talked about their educations, you know, going to black colleges and uh, the, uh, the cultural uh, wealth that they have uh, accumulated because of um, going to school at HBCU. And, uh, right. you know, and in some ways it makes you envious, you know, because of the we as Americans and as uh, African-Americans and black Americans, if you will, have contributed so much and our history has been so whitewashed, you know. Uh, 
to a point that you know you have certain states such as Florida even right now where you have DeSantos who's trying to uh, 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 let's say uh, redirect and correct history uh, as right. how how involved American uh, black Americans have been since slavery you know but right. <clears throat> you know uh, we were talking about Tulsa we're talking about economic differences and how those things have uh, how they how how they took place. Um, my understanding, Greenwood was uh, was divided into two cultures. They had the white culture and they had the black culture. And uh, uh, blacks in Greenwood were striving. It was said that you know it would take a year for a dollar to. Uh, circulate out of Greenwood because they kept the money in there. They had uh, thriving professionals. They had grocery stores and they had doctors and uh, they even had pilots and uh, they had a um, small airport. Uh, <clears throat> that's why it got dubbed the name Black Wall Street. Right. Who were striving in that community. Not so right. the other side of the wall. Uh, that um, that separated the two uh, the two uh, cultures. Um, we know what happened. Uh, in some of the brief history: um, young man was in the elevator, needed to go to the restroom. The restroom only restroom was uh, located on the top of a department store. He had to drive. Uh, he had to take the elevator up. Um, from what we understand from the history, uh, a um, woman, uh, a white woman that said that she had either been assaulted or something and they arrested the young man, uh, which <clears throat> devastated the community. Uh, one thing led to another. Uh, blacks came over uh, to protect and make sure that nothing was gonna happen that they weren't going to string up the young man. Um, whites were offended. One thing led to another, but the brunt of the devastation was done to the black community. They were burned out. Uh, they were murdered. Uh, and uh, they never got anything back from, and the, and the community was never built back up because insurances wouldn't pay, pay out on properties and things of that nature. That's one way of devastating the community. Um, <clears throat> we uh, understand after slavery that uh, reconstruction took place. Uh, amendments were made to the Constitution. Uh, slavery had ended, but yet, you know, uh, they still, because they were still devastated by uh, the economic growth that uh, the Civil War had placed on the South's loss there. Um, they enacted laws that would lead to black imprisonment at large, uh, at large numbers. Uh, huh. Loitering laws. You were loitering. Let's say you didn't have a job. Let's say that you were waiting for a job. Uh, you could get picked up in Jim Crow law in Jim Crow um, states and uh, you would become a prisoner. 
and they make you work for, you know, basically have a slave labor again. Um, a lot of people uh, might still going on. A lot of people migrated, you know, north. But <clears throat> I mean, racism is everywhere, you know. So we look at uh, how people, how 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 uh, communities were um, constructed in in the north with tenements and things of that nature, and uh, a lot of people living on top of one another. But if the jobs aren't there, then the community fails. Uh, and we know that uh, prison labor has uh, allowed America to strive just as slavery did. Yeah, yeah. And There's a direct pipeline to it. Direct pipeline, um, di direct pipeline to miseducation of black people or yeah, yeah. education of black people, uh, which can lead to crime, which can lead to uh, uh, being in prison without uh, without um, 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 proper uh, representation, uh, things yeah. of that nature. So there are a lot of things that have contributed to a lot of factors. A lot of factors. Absolutely. So, but so, so you know, it's it's so sad. We 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 go over these these uh, stories, and you have a small moment that somehow, at the in the bleak of an eye, just you know, erupts into a much bigger issue. So the 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 situation in Tulsa with you know with the kid being um um accused by the the white lady turns into uh you know an entire district getting destroyed. It's like how how and so there, there's there's still that feeling of like okay I know the story but then I know the outcome. And the outcome is so much bigger than that. You wonder, was this being plotted on long before it happened? Were there threats of this happening long? I mean, because, you know, immediately everyone had the tools and he burned down a whole city. You know, they didn't have Amazon back then. They couldn't get all this stuff next day delivery. But somehow they got, they got everything they needed in, in, you know, what feels like a moment's notice and did you know the unthinkable you know i've seen people mad before but come on well you know james um one of the things that slavery uh created was uh first off two econ there were two economies and if we look at slavery and we look at how people lived in that day there was still there were the plantation owners and then there were the workers now right. there was slave there was the slave labor but then what was the white labor the white labor consisted of if they weren't indentured slaves which meant that they were contracted to give service for a certain time and then they would buy their freedom then you also had overseers and uh, overseers didn't really economically uh, do any any better than the slaves, you know. Oh. So at the end of the slavery, uh, you had you had whites who were uh, no longer employed as far as you know being overseers of slaves, 
But then you had um, you had blacks who were newly acquired with newly acquired freedom. Uh-huh. Economically, they were probably in the same boat. Now, if you look at what we call white privilege today, uh-huh. stems from way back then, where you had white people who figured the only thing that separates me from the blacks is the fact that I'm white, which creates better opportunity. Yeah. Also, uh, you had chair you had sharecropping, but you still had laws that prohibited blacks from doing certain things, whether it was going in the front door, whether it was, you know, walking on the sidewalk, having to look down when white people approach, you know, uh, there were certain laws and there were laws that were drafted, you know, for all I know, still on the books in some of the, (laughs) in some towns, you know. Not on the books of of the actual pages, definitely on the books of some hearts. Right. And then you had, and, and, and then you had the uprising of the Ku Klux Klan. You know, huh. uh, which was also in its in 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 a way in trying to keep one 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 culture down, one race down, and uh, laws that um, that protected them from whether they were part of a lynch mob or shootings or you know, I mean, you can just look at the devastation in the history of America and see you know how. Uh, one culture has 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 uh, has taken another one down, and uh, those attitudes still exist. So, um, instead of people working along each alongside of each other who are economically uh, distressed, uh, we use race to still divide. Hmm. So it sounds like you're saying um, America culture, American culture overall had just turned into a pressure cooker. You know, you'd had these two factions during slavery that created one uh, dynamic and then slavery ends, and then that creates a different dynamic and those are now pushing against each other because there might be people from the the old traditions that kind of wish things were still the way they were because maybe they're not as well off or their families aren't as well off as they were when they had that free labor. You got the other side fighting to continue to get more freedoms because they don't want to go back and they know what America's done to them. Now you have Greenwood that starts to blossom. They're doing well. And then, like you said, on the other side of the wall, they're not doing so well. And so all that just kind of builds up and then you get these explosions. You get explosions. Yeah, yeah. You know that, um, you know, we have... uh, cultures that that um, do not do well um, for whatever purposes, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the blacks that strive were, were smarter. I'm not saying that they, you know, but maybe they had more resources and they learned, they learned to utilize their resources. I think part of that is that you had, you may have had educated um, people in that community who may have gotten their education somewhere or had got, gone to, you know, Southern colleges that, uh, that with education and they learned to give back to their community. Uh, yeah. You know, and you may not have that same thing striving on the other side, but 
you know, tension, as you said, tensions grow. And it's the same thing with uh, with race riots or riots today. It was the same thing in Watts. It was the same thing in Detroit. It was the same thing, you know, when you have economic disparities, uh, people wonder why do people tear up their communities? Well, uh, I, I heard one uh, educator say it wasn't that they were tearing up their communities. They didn't own anything there. Huh. You know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I mean, if a person who is non-black opens up a store in a black community that has, that's seeing economic disparity and uh, they get looted, you know, it's, it may be because the people feel that they don't own anything in that community. So it happens there. And I think the same thing happened in Tulsa, only um, racially, it was, you know, it was not what it is that we see. I think it happened in I think it happened in, you know, when the Irish came here and they weren't uh, accepted, you know. Uh, they had they had gangs, you know, and uh, I think it happened when, when the Italians came. And, you know, uh, oftentimes you see various different communities of different cultures clashing. Yeah, yeah. And if art, you know, imitates life or life imitates art, you can see it on the screens. One of my uh, greatest, uh, one of my greatest um, type of uh, of uh, entertainment uh, growing up were watching, you know, uh, watching television and watching musicals and things of that nature. One of my best, one of my favorite musicals was um, West Side Story. And we know the... Uh know the premise of West Side Story, you know, yeah, you know, whites against against Puerto Ricans, you know, True. you know, built in a love a love story built in, but it was still racial, it's still racial, Absolutely. you know, so, <clears throat> uh, yeah, again, you know, the life life imitate art or art imitate life, you know, we we have that you know devastation but you know most of it is built and based on re, um on the realisms of you know different cultures clashing whether it's economic or whether it's social whether it's you know racial uh yeah in america yeah yeah it's like it's just part of american culture that's so true because it's it feels like it's still going on today in our southern borders you know you're kind of watching it uh, unfold uh, for Mexico as well um, in in different ways, in ways that it doesn't unfold for uh, other companies that, I mean, other countries that make their way here. So with all that happening, I mean, obviously that was uh, uh, before your time, but I'm pretty sure you knew about it, you know, at a certain point in your life, you started to learn about it. Maybe parents, grandparents talked about it. Um, but you lived in Northern California, and so you have an interesting perspective, at least to my eye, because most Black people that I know that are truthfully above the age of maybe 20 to 30 that are in California that I meet are from some other place. And so their their viewpoint of... America of um, economics of racism of all these all those things are usually from some other place. They're usually 
looking at it from an Alabama perspective, Missouri, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee, some uh, some Midwest or Southern state. And so because of that, their conversations or their stories even about their parents' conversations with them have are very entrenched in, you know, the Southern way of racism. What did you experience that in Northern California when you were a kid? As a matter of fact, you, you do experience it, but I, I think that um, uh, racism is more, you know, uh, subtle and more, more, more co covert than overt, you know, uh, mm -hmm. in America. I mean, I, I mean, as, 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 as I got older, by the time I got into high school, we were having our own race riots, you know? I mean, I went to El Cerrito High School, uh, which is basically a suburb, you know? Uh, yeah. I was bused there in a the sense, you know? Um, I, caught, uh, I caught public transportation to get to, uh, to get to my high school, you know? Wow. So <clears throat> our, um, the numbers of blacks that, that, that attended the high school that I, that I attended, uh, was not um all right we lost lost you briefly lost you briefly okay i'm pretty sure something happened maybe he got a call <laughs> maybe he's put the phone on the charger one of the two we'll get him back we'll get him back anyone listening uh appreciate you guys being here uh see you in the chat trying to respond as I can. Um, please share the broadcast. This is, um, this is about to develop into a pretty interesting conversation, if you can't tell. This is, um, uh, I know he keeps saying that, you know, he's um, not an expert, but here we're not necessarily trying to talk to experts. We're talking to people that not only have a great experience to share, but they paid attention through that experience. That's a big deal because a lot of us can go through things, but did you take the moment to really um, uh, embrace what was going on so that you can, um, you know, choose what to do with it? You know what I mean? Our experiences are designed to, to shape us. Brother Clay, you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm back. Sorry. Uh, All right. Brief, brief interruption. All good. Don't even worry about it. Um, yeah. So you're saying, um, you guys actually had your own race wars or race riots uh, going to El Cerrito. Yeah, yeah, and you know it was it was impactful because we were still we were just coming out. I graduated in nineteen seventy seven. I know that's a long time for you. Uh, that's still ancient history for you. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, um, I remember being in maybe the third or fourth grade when uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, was assassinated. Oh, and yeah. and and uh, you know, so we weren't that far removed from what was to take place next. You know, um, yeah. You know, who were our our leaders going to be? You know, the world was still rocking and roll, uh, rocking and reeling from um, from the assassination of J JFK and then okay. King and then um, and then Robert Kennedy. You know which all was impactful. You have to, and Megger Evers, you know, uh, didn't impact us as much. We didn't hear as much, you know. And me as a youngster, you know, didn't know the impact that a Megger Evers had on, you know, on uh, civil rights and things of that nature. So, huh. 
um, I mean, in history, we didn't learn about Emmett Till, you know, right, and things of that. So, uh, you know, but you know, in California, they we had our own brand of racism. I remember my dad telling me how he had put in the application. My father was a union worker, you know, he worked for Teamster, he was a driver he, later on, but he was a warehouse worker. Um, but I remember him speaking to me about having put in an application and maybe had left something in uh, in the office and literally walked in and saw the person throwing his his application in the garbage can, you know. So um, it, it existed. It wasn't like racism didn't exist in, in California. But by the time I got to school, um, uh, yeah, we, we may have had little clashes you know, that were race related, but right. we, also, you know, we also moved quickly to, uh, I remember being called out of, uh, out of class and, uh, 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 I guess, uh, selected as, as, as a youth that they thought might be able to come together and, and, and try to, um, um, find out what our differences were and whether or not they put a plan together after after our little summit you know uh i don't remember anything coming out of it things just kind of went back to the way that they were you know wow Wow. so So it was a but you know i mean those are your experiences i mean and i mean look um experiences like that help you along the way as you mature and what you're going to uh, encounter, you know, on the job and uh, in life itself, you know, those are the kind of things that uh, that set you up for, you know, being a life learner and also uh, giving back, as you said, giving back to the community, which is why, you know, uh, um, engaging with youth and um, 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 sewing into the next generation is so important to me. Yeah, and it just, it seems like it makes us very durable you know what i mean like i i do believe that at our heart you know we are some of the most warm and loving people and so to have endured some of the world's greatest atrocities uh it's interesting that we're still you know we're we're still so cool with people you know what i mean <laughs> it's like we're so quick to brush it i mean not completely brush it under the rug but to try to move past it and get to a better place and we're we're the ones with the heal the world songs and you know trying to kind of bring us back together and not you know push us apart yeah a lot of that is i mean and, and if you look at our culture i mean we assimilate yeah you know uh, yeah. more and try to be divisive you know um it's it's something that i think it's not being docile or anything like that but you know i, I think that we recognize the fact that i mean if you want to build something it's better to you know to get along with people than to try to um, divide away from people you know yeah but other other the the the, the greater culture does not you know does not all see that you know and a lot of people a lot of them <clears throat> i've been hearing about statistics about you know the white uh, culture becoming the mi- becoming the minority for decades, you uh-huh. know. 
that's a lot of the reasons why immigration laws are, 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 are passed to try to uh, stymie uh, growth of, in, of immigration in America. Um, that's why a lot of politics, you know, is, is built around, you know, the quote unquote, make America great culture, you yeah. know, um, which has nothing to do, I believe, with economic power. It has to do with, you know, uh, racial, uh, uh, rate, uh, the racial imbalance in America and, um, a lot that to do with keeping, uh, whites as the majority in America. Hmm. Hmm. So, okay. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't think anybody would. Um, would. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, who would disagree with what it is that I just said? Now, whether they whether back up what it is that, uh, I mean, their disagreement would be something totally different. But, I mean, facts are facts. I mean, yeah. you see, I mean, you see and you hear and, uh, you know, if you have an intelligent um, mind, then, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to sugarcoat what somebody is is is, uh, is saying. I mean, they have it coming straight from the, as you say, straight from the horse's mouth. Right. Right. I mean, but that's an interesting thing to say or to point out that we assimilate because we do. We're like we will just go to some, we'll find ourselves in a new space and we'll make our adjustments and then we'll still thrive uh, within that new construct. You know, it kind of made me think about, um, you know, the whole uh, conversation about the N-word, right. how it was something that was, you know, obviously created to demean and degrade um, us as people. And whether you agree with it or not, you know, is a different, you know, case by case scenario but we took something like that and found a way to assimilate with it you know what i mean it was like we really did that, that's almost one of the ultimate assimilations that i could think of from from slavery to to freedom again not saying that it was the right or wrong choice to do so but the 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 idea of taking something that was meant to this and then using it and pretty much uh minimizing or at least um, mitigating a, a, a essential amount of its power, we did that. Well, yeah. I mean, for some, that, that would be their argument. I don't think that that was their intent, though. I, I think that, you know, we used it because it was a, de it was a derogatory term. So on the bottom, we, you know, assimilated to the derogatory term, you know. Um, it's it, it some say you know well it's a way of embracing one another you know they can put the my in front of it or what have you you yeah. know but i mean but why why associate ourselves with a derogatory term why can't we be kings but here's a better question sorry not a better question i, I guess i'm doing that here's another question why why does anybody because there's an episode, and I'm going to have you on it, too, because I want it to be a panel conversation. But basically, the, the, the topic is going to be called Why the N-Word? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just us. <laughs> it's like, I've heard Asians use it. I've heard Mexicans use it. White but, people use it. Indians use it. It's like, but, why, yeah. why is everybody trying to be so close to that word? 
Because our culture is rich. Mm -hmm. That I mean, like black gold rich, like oil rich, you know, in the sense that we are, um, God has, has, has created us to be a creative and charismatic people. And yeah. so, you know, even in, I mean, they didn't start using until hip hop language and they, um, and, you know, becoming uncensored and, um, it, and, and that uh, language being available to everyone and the hip hop generation utilizing that, that, that way that people started to assimilate to, to it. So, you know, I mean, in that sense, and then what do we do? We ban other, we ban certain cultures from using the word. <laughs> you better not say that word, you know, and things of that nature, you know. Do, do, do you remember, uh, if you have a story, since you did have racism in, in the Bay Area back then, um, do you remember the first time that someone called you the N-word? In, in, in a... Um, not directly to my face, no. Um, mm. Not until and later. And it was, you know, and it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even somebody who was, um, who, who was white. And I, I never heard had anybody white. Now, they might do it in attitude or they might do it in another way, you know, but never. Uh, it was a Hispanic uh, brother who, who actually used the word. And uh, um, growing up, I had various different, I had uh, different groups of people that I, I, grew, I, I grew up with, you know. Um, uh, I had certain friends that I hung out with, you know, if we wanted to go, you know, if we wanted to go to a neighborhood party or a club or something. And then I had certain groups of uh, one of my best friends who um, he, he was more towards the white culture, you know, I mean, he was, I mean, we, we wrote music together. He, he played guitar and, you know, he played Hendrix and Jeff wow. Beck, you know, and, you nice. know, it, a lot of a lot of, and a lot of his his friends were you know were white and Hispanic you know, and yeah. uh, the Hispanic guy he, he had told me about this guy you know he's like yeah he he says that all the time and I don't like it you know I'm not gonna fight you over it but you know why in the world are you using the word you know right. Right. and it's not, but if you're gonna use it it's not even worth an argument really you know is how right. I wasn't I need I need to defend myself of it because I never looked at myself stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Um yeah that's a it's a very um it's a very interesting conversation because it's like on the face of it it seems like a very obvious thing. You know, people that oppressed you called you this name. What would you do with that name once you weren't oppressed by them anymore? I'd never see it again. I'd never say it again. Conversation over. <laughs> You know, that's, and that's I, how you expect the conversation to go, but it's it's not that simple. And I'm just I'm just one person who just never really word. Um I don't use it towards brothers, you know, but I have, you know, friends, relatives who have, you know, used it, you know, and you know, that's just not it's just not part of my um repertoire in the sense. Yeah. 
So you know, and you know, taking you back to what I what I I was saying about uh, my earlier influences and my entertainment and things. I mean, being you know, movies and things of that nature. One of my favorite movies was The Godfather. You know, mm-hmm. but and then the other they used derogatory terms toward black people. They used it. Mm-hmm. They talked about we didn't have a soul. They talked about selling in their in our communities. You know, things of that nature. You know, and that was the you know that was the Sicilian Italian you know you know mafia you know that uh, that the movie was based upon you know yeah. so uh, the author uh, I'm sure you know when Coppola took it from uh, Mario Puzo's uh, book you know it was in the book it was in that's why they didn't take it out and they didn't look at well we're gonna offend this this culture by saying that. True. True. And 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 we continue to do that with with art, you know, telling these different stories that show um the complications between different races, which is it feels like it's an easy uh an easy out in America because it's such a melting pot of so many cultures that you're bound to get uh, a large audience <laughs> of at least two groups once you do that. You know what I mean? There's like even even Django, it's like you're you're tapping into some uh, cultural emotion, and you're at very least gonna get two groups that are like interested to see how do you play this out, how is this story told, how you know how am I represented in this story? Yeah, I, I think you know, and it's inter- interesting that you brought that that particular movie up because I mean the controversy was you know I think it may have been the NAACP or somebody who was opposed opposed to you know them uh, having the N word in that in that movie, you know, which is a no. Um, who's the director? Ah, um, uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Say the other guy, you know, Pulp Fiction guy. Yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, Tarantino. Tarantino, right? So, Tarantino. you know, he's, you know, I and he, I mean, basically, the movie was about. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was a slave uh, era movie, right? Right. So, I think right. The language was in that sense. The language was appropriate, you know. True. Uh, it was a slave era movie, so you know. Uh, if you want to, you know, bring some real realism into it, then, you know, it was appropriate. How much of it yeah. to use, you know, that's, I mean, a lot of it might have been cut, I mean, uh, left on the, on the editing cut, cutting room floor. So we don't know. He said, ah, okay, they're going to complain about it. So I'll take, you know, these 20 references to it out, these 200 references <laughs> out. And what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, if you are going to, create a time piece that's supposed to encapsulate a certain moment um, in this piece of art, whether it be a movie, TV show, song. Um, what are your thoughts on how real it gets? You know, should it be edited or trying to be um, sensitive to today's world or should it give you exactly what it was then? Because that is the time in which it's being reconstructed from. Well, I, I think it depends upon the audience because uh, the audience that you're trying to reach. I mean, we have rate, we still have ratings on movies, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's going to be a PG movie, 
you know, or a general audience movie, you're not going to put the language in there. But if you're trying to be, you know, uh, real to the time, you know, yeah. uh, then uh, you just have to you have you have to choose you know i mean as an artist because now we're talking about art you know and i mean as an artist i think the movie till which i have not seen uh, but they, they um they, uh they had a a precursor on there that said that there will be no violent depictions in this movie you know and they chose not to show I haven't seen the movie, so when I when they say violent depictions, I'm assuming that they didn't show the death. Couldn't have. Did you see the movie? I, I have not seen the movie, but you're you're exactly right. There's no way you show the the moment of the open casket, which his mom requested, without showing violence. That was her whole reason for saying, "No, I wanted an open casket so they can yeah. see what they did." But you know they they may have shown shown they may have shown the incident that led up to it. But from what if you say no violent depictions towards you know towards people in this movie, then that without having seen the movie, that moves me to say that they did not show you know the death scene. You know yeah. they didn't show him dying. They didn't show him being attacked. You know or anything. Like that. So you know um, it's it's up to the artist. Right. To depict how they wanted, I'm sure it's still a moving movie. Right. right. You know, Glory was a moving, a moving movie about, you know, black, a, a black uh, infantry unit that fought in the Civil War. Right. I remember Denzel being whipped in that movie, you know, oh. for stealing some shoes. And then, then the, the tear, you know, everybody talks about the, the tear, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody <laughs> talks about that tear. Hey, you know, but uh, you know, one of uh, America's, you know, and uh, you know, but they had there there was violence shown, and I believe that you know, I mean, uh, you know, based upon what it is that they were trying to get draw from the audience, then uh, it it may have been necessary, but I mean. Going back to the civil rights movement, you know, there was a reason why the civil rights movement had so much impact and was able to change generation is because of the depictions of the news that was being uh, being shown on the evening news every every night. The racist, the 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 uh, the dogs uh, being sick on uh, protesters, the well. Uh, the fire hoses being turned on uh, on innocent people, you know, oh. with, on on protesters, because they weren't they were innocent of protesting; they were exercising their rights. Right. You know? Right. But you know, if not for those, if not for the depiction of um of um. Help, help me. Um, well, if let's say, say if not if not for the depiction of those people being uh, assaulted, you know, by law enforcement, you know, in the deep south, oh. the change. I don't think civil rights would have been changed the way that it was. 
Yeah. 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 And yeah. then we have, and today, what's the, what's what's the equivalent to that? Today is cell phone footage. You know. Mm, yeah. But then today, it's crazy though, because you're you're spot on, and, and today there's more uh, evidence of the wrongs that are done to not only black people but other people. But right. you know, for the sake of our conversation, uh, we we've seen plenty of footage unfortunately sometimes um you know law enforcement provided footage um of things that that happened to black people here on american soil and also we've seen justice still not find its way to the forefront and so the the question you know is when that didn't happen back then uh in your you know emmett hill situations in your um uh, Rosa Parks uh, moments, you know, in different times of, of our uh, history during that time, you had leaders that stood up. You had leaders that that made the, the, the public and the people in power, at least even for a moment, to have to recognize that, that, that this is a problem. Whether they did anything about it, that's a different story, but they organized and found a way to make sure that the, the, the problem was heard. What what black leaders today do we have that the youth can look to for leadership in these moments when they're scrolling through TikTok and seeing some issue or scrolling through Instagram and seeing some more footage of some cop doing this or wh wh whatever the scenario is and feeling like, well, where is justice? Who are the leaders? And it's an interesting question. And, um, let me just say that I'm not, because I'm not of this particular generation, and I know millennials have various different, uh, you know, people that they look to, and they have their very different uh, um, uh, news outlets. Very different, very different from when I was growing up. When we, when I was growing up, there were three networks: it was NBC, ABC, and CBS. You know, and then you know PBS, public broadcast. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, now you have all these cable outlets, and like you said, you have um, uh, you have social media outlets. You know, so I think that, and all of that is is being used to shape uh, people's attitudes. Um, you got the Breakfast Club, you know, which is a very open form. You know, uh, you have you know um, you have the Shade Room, you know, um, but as far as making differences, I mean, you can look at Benjamin Crump, you know what I'm saying? Somebody who is spending their life in the trenches to try to bring justice to um, the injustices that are being uh, uh, perpetrated on African-Americans in this country right now. Um, there are others in within that um, within that realm who are doing things. You have young leaders who are coming out in, who are running for office today and are being elected to Congress and being elected to Senate. And I'm sure also being elected on, on their, um, in their hometowns and things of that nature. So yeah. you haven't heard about them now. Um, I'm pretty sure you will. Someone will rise to the, um, 
whether they'll be there, they will have a meteoric rise like Barack Obama did, who um, rose to uh, to the the greatest uh, office in in the world. If you if you think about the fact that America is supposed to be the greatest country in the world, then its leader has to have the greatest office in the world. True. So Makes sense. with with, uh, with that said, you know, and and I'm not going to get into the various different branches, you know, the judicial and the con- you know, congressional and the presidential and things of that nature, but um, uh, he had a great impact on on American society, and I think that because of his impact. Uh, we, I mean, a lot of our young leaders are going to be coming from there and figure if he was able to rise that high, why can't I? Oh, oh. So, so President Obama is a great example of, you know, a, a modern day leader uh, that, that looks like us, that knows, you know, what our life and struggles are and, um, speaks our language uh coming out of chicago knows our 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 communities very well there's obviously uh, you know as we learn after his term you know there are people that, that felt indifferent about his time in office though so so looking thinking about everything that we've talked about in our history and kind of you know as we uh threw out uh, a small smorgasbord of of, of leaders and, and whatnot from, from our culture, do you believe that President Obama was the black president that we all were looking for and needed? I think that he was, he was the president. Now, what you gather from that is, you know, it, it's all perspective, you know. Um, I don't think anybody's going to say that they totally satisfied with any president uh, huh. you know there's there's negative there's cons and there's pros you know for yeah. every, every president through every generation you know um was he the president that we needed at that time we needed someone to break that that color line yeah he was the jackie robinson of the presidency you know huh. In that, <laughs> you know yeah uh, so whether he was what everybody was looking for or what everyone, you know, or what we could get, you know, um, biblically, uh, speaking the first, the first King of Israel was Saul. Uh, and the Bible talks about Saul not being, uh, God's choice. He was the people's choice. Saul, uh, um, uh, so Saul, being the first king, was chosen by the people because they wanted a king because they wanted to be like other nations when they had a god. Yeah. And when Saul became king, he um, ultimately disappointed God. And God sent and, uh, God sent uh, Samuel to anoint his next king, who was David, while huh. Saul was still king. And wow. so, um, yeah. you know, so who's going to be the David after after Barack Obama? You know, we don't we don't know. Um, but during his time, I think he did a lot of things that were right. I, I think that 
like I said, he had a meteoric rise. Um, I think that a lot of people on the left and a lot of people, well, definitely on the left, they were disappointed that he even got elected. He came out of nowhere and, and, and basically swooped in at a time when, um, when the conservatives didn't have a leader. They have a leader because George, uh, George Bush basically failed. Huh. And they didn't, uh, they didn't have anybody who, who met, let me see, they, they, I think they ran, they ran McCain after, I think they ran McCain first, right? After, uh, it was either McCain or, um, they ran McCain, yeah, they ran McCain. and then, um, they ran, uh, Romney. Rumney after after that you know, yeah and Barack defeated both of them but <clears throat> what I what what I understood about Barack Obama first being first off being a true African American uh, Af American on his mother's side and African of African descent on his father's side mm -hmm. a lot of people well, he did not experience the generational being a, a being a born in a, an African American out of slavery, but you know, I mean, coming from <laughs> coming from African descent, you know, we all experienced slavery, whether it was on the Af uh, you know the African side of the transportation or on you know embarking on 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 America, yeah. tour, you know, so we all had. I mean, a generational experience of, of, of slavery. A right. lot of people and about um, about uh, Barack Obama was that he had to um, he had to struggle with not having known his father, you know, mm -hmm. uh, being uh, raised by his grandfather, you know, uh, who was also white. So yeah. on his so he had uh, struggles with who he was, you know, later on adopting his, his African name, his African heritage, you know, because he was Barry uh, Obama. Barry Obama. Barry Obama for a long time in his life. <laughs> but, you know, people also didn't understand that he came from a moderate uh, 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 political stance. Uh, oh. Was he wasn't he wasn't a, 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 a far left or far right? He was, you know, he was a middle middle of the road person. You know, uh, even from my from my research, even when he was elected as uh, as the leader of the Harvard um, Harvard Law, uh, you know, he was central. You know, uh, huh. he, he brought people from both sides, and he attempted to do that in his in his presidency. But when he was elected president, they weren't having that. They weren't. They were the party of no. They, they were not having that. And they started meeting immediately. <laughs> and whatever he wants, no. Even if no. it's that, no, we're not going to say no. yes to him. We want him to fail. And the only way to make him fail is to be opposed to anything 
that whether it's medical, whether whether it was you know, uh, uh, it's medical policies, it's foreign policies, it's domestic policies. Yeah, it didn't matter. The answer is no. And the um, I think the downfall of the Democratic Party, the reason why uh, he ended up, he started out with a majority in the Senate and in the, in the House, but uh, midterm. Basically, if you, if you look at this historically, the left does not vote during the mid uh, the midterm elections, uh. and, and the Republican Party knows that. So it's easy to turn, you know, turn a, a Democratic House or a Democratic Senate into a uh, into a Republican <laughs> House or Senate. You know, uh, good strategy. That's strategy. That's good strategy. And so, I've heard so much critique about Obama. You know, I've been presented with, um, you know, evidence of, of, of you know, crimes against humanity that, you know, happened under his, um, you know, under his watch. It, it's interesting how it all it seems like it all kind of starts with what you feel about the person, because if you if you love the, the, the president, whether it be uh, Bar uh, Barack Obama um, or, you know, Donald Trump or, you know, anybody else, then if you get, if they, if they talk about something terrible that happened under their watch, then it becomes, well, the president doesn't control everything. <laughs> the president is just, you know, he's, he's the face of the nation. There are other people that, that make these calls. But then if you don't like them, you hate that person, then it's, no, no, he did it. <laughs> it was it was his call, his choice. He decided to do that, and it, it, it's 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 interesting how people frame your negative aspects or or or, or the negative um, activities in their eyes uh, based on whether they like you or dislike you, or you're in one party or another. That that is that. I mean, that is true. You're always gonna. I mean, if. Gas prices go up, you know, it's under your watch. If, um, you know, if we get into a war, it's, it's under your watch, you know. So they try, to, uh, what they try to do is they, you know, they try to pull from the best. You know, if you're going to hear a president's uh, um, state of the union, he's not going to say we failed. He's going to pull out the statistics, you know, that uh, that favor his policies. Right. You know? Right. And so you know, statistics yeah. are really based upon who's who's giving them, you know. And you, you have, have to about everything. You have to look at the economy, and and you have to look at you know everything in you know out of your own perspective. For me, politics is always the lesser of two evils, huh. and why I say that, and that's how I vote. You know, um, why I say that is because you know if I'm looking at myself and I'm looking at um, and other people might might do this the same. The same. I mean, if you're the one percent, you might say, um, "Well, I'm going to look at who's going to favor, you know, um, what's going to help me and benefit me uh, the best." You know, right. uh, and my constituents or my, you know, my fellow, um, uh, you know, people that 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 are in my boat, you know. As opposed to looking at the whole, what's going to favor humanity? Yeah. 
know, and I'm I'm more of a what's going to favor humanity person, you know. Uh, what's going to favor uh, those who are uh, who are impoverished, or you know, I may not be on that side of you know of of, of the uh, economic um, um, polar um, polarization, you know, but. Most Americans only, I mean, it's been said that we, we're only two paychecks away from, you know, from being impoverished, you know, a lot of time. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, either you're living, you know, at your means or above your means or, you know, I mean, I can't, or I can't purchase a house, you know, uh, go to the bank and write a check and purchase a house. So I got a house note. I got a mortgage, you know, or if someone has rent or, you know, we have to eat and uh, have to pay a car note, you know. So what's right. going to be American, you know, more so than uh, what's going to, you know, um, feel, um, feel, feed my, my dreams of being the next, you know, the next millionaire. Right, right. So you would, you would want to make America great again, is, is what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. Not again. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> not, not, not again. It's just let's just let's just make it great. Let's let's let's, let's have, just make it great. Really have a goal of making America great. Man, I, I I would be all about mag. <laughs> mag is the one for me. Call it mag, and I'm with yeah. you. But, yeah, but um, can we just start, not again? You know, because I mean. That's that again. That's 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 perspective. When was it great? You know, at what what area, what period of time are you saying, or, or is that just code for you know, let's make America white again? You know? Which is interesting because I have my guy, um, uh, South Central conservative on here. He's a, a black Republican, and um, or maybe he considers himself just a black conservative. Um, but he, we had that conversation about okay, well, if because he believes in MAGA strongly. And mm -hmm. so my question, obviously, was that, okay, well, if you believe in it and you want to make it that again, then give me the framework of when it was. And right. I, I recall, you know, you know we, we had a long dialogue about it, but one thing that came out with him and uh, my other guy, uh, Dub City, who was uh, also a little more right-leaning, is they said it's unfair when people say it that way and, and try to turn it into a time. And I said, well, when you say the word again, right. that becomes time. Absolutely. That, that's not that's not something that we're just kind of projecting onto you and trying to force a slavery conversation or anything of that nature. It's, it's, it's in the statement that was created. Um, no different than, you know, what they did with Black Lives Matter. It's like they they turn that into you're saying black lives only, man. Well, we didn't say that. No one has ever said that. No, no one that ever believed in BLM felt that way. So it's like, but that's that's always the pushback is you're saying you want to make it something again, but you're also saying there wasn't a time where it was great. And the, the long and short of the story is it, it felt like what he's trying to say is they want America to take the again is America taking the best parts for each group of its history 
and somehow creating that thing. And I told him that's literally impossible because the way America was built, one person, one person had their greatest moment because you had your worst. And so if, if in the recreation of it, if I can't have you at your worst, I can't do my best anymore. Right. You, you know, um, America has a strong history, but yeah, also America, America is young in the America. sense talked about um, dynasties and things of that nature, you know, just in, in history, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, 200 plus years as opposed to uh, China's 5,000 years and, you know, or 2,000, whoever, you know, I mean, just the European, just just say um, uh, that, that continent, you know, that is comp comprised of, you know, Europe and um, yeah. Asia and Africa, you know, America, in that sense, is a young uh, toddler, you know, in that sense. Now, it's, 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 it's come to great economic power. Oh, incredible. You know. Which has led to great military power. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if you want to look at the Roman Empire and things of that nature, you know. But, <clears throat> you know, uh, but because it's only, it, because it's been like 200 years when you divide it up, you know, it's 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 kind of like you have to, you know, um, remember, you know, remember stop motion, uh, yeah, anime, yeah. yeah, like Gumby. That's America. Mm. <laughs> that that that's a, that's that's America. That's interesting. Go deeper. Go deeper with that. So you remember how we used to make the little the little books and you and, and you make that little stick person or the animation and things and then you flip it through real quick. Yeah, yeah. That's America. You know. Okay. But so what I'm getting to, James, is that mm -hmm. <clears throat> America has done a lot in in that period of time. You know, less than 300 year period of time, and it's been a lot of atrocities. You know. Um, there's been a lot of economic, you know, uh, gain, uh, but you can't get over in in 300 uh, a period of 300 times. Stop asking black people to get over slavery, <laughs> because America is this young, and most of it, most of its time was dealt in slavery. Not sure. Not it was sure. on slavery. Yeah. All the way up through Jim Crow laws that still belittled another uh, another race, right? So you can't take the sixty years from um, from from uh, from Jim Crow or the Civil Rights Act and forget about America's been here since six, since the sixteen sixteen hundreds, and there yeah. was slavery that whole time. Yeah. You know, that's just one. That's just one. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a great. It's a great point. My um, uh, episode with um, with Chris, the candle maker, we had a deep conversation about uh, reparations, and that's you know some of the things that we kind of touched on is how how long black people suffered in this country in comparison to how long some of the um, other groups might have suffered 
and dealt with with the aftermath of suffering and they're getting reparations from America and have been for you know decades already yet the group that suffered the most that continues to still feel the blunt of it um, in in different moments that happen uh, we are still denied it's still a conversation of you know excuses in so many words and so he actually had a great <laughs> a great breakdown of how like he basically studied how these other cultures did it how they got america to finally start paying reparations to their um group of people and he showed what what black people are doing wrong and maybe what we could change in that conversation to you know not necessarily that you're going to guarantee that you're going to get it because the way things go we'll probably never get that but um uh how to make it more achievable potentially i thought it was very interesting i'll I'll, uh i'll bring him on with you too so you can hear it i i love to hear um your response to to his approach yeah I'd, i'd like to know what it is that he's you know i mean what his ideas are you know myself um you know, um, you know, we're not the only ones looking looking towards reparations being uh, being paid out. You know, to um, uh, those who are enslaved. I mean, you have uh, people in in the Caribbean, and you know, uh, who were just as in, impoverished, uh, um, <clears throat> and I mean, just as enslaved people. You know, yeah. they're looking for reparations. People in Britain, um, yeah. In, in the UK and shoot, I mean, France and, you know, I mean, it's I mean, reparations is something that could do, could do economically good, but it's more, more important is what, what would you do with the money? Right. And, and, and that was a big part of his study was he didn't just look at, how they got it he looked at what they did with it and specifically talked about like the koreans how they took their reparations they formed their own groups if you will and organizations that then um were connected with their banks korean banks here here on american soil and uh, in they they give out business loans to on to their people but they have a specific criteria that you have to meet before that money will be loaned out there are very flexible and easy terms in repaying that and you have to go into one of the business structures that they've already uh pre-chosen that they know will get a profit and they'll be able to get the money back so that's why you see a lot of nail salons owned by Koreans. That's why you see a lot of um, beauty supply stores owned by Koreans. That's why you see a lot of these little convenience stores owned by Koreans, because those are a part of those that grouping of you can have this business loan, but it has to be for one of these businesses. And I was like, that was genius because it, number one, uh, in so many words, almost guarantees you get your money back. It keeps the money circulating. It generates new money. It buys land. I mean, I mean, it's, I thought it was great because it wasn't the, the obvious worry of, oh, we got reparations and now we distribute all these checks. 
what is everybody going to do with it? Like, no, this money is now housed in their banks and given specifically to their people, but to only do the right things with it. And they have to prove that they are going to do those things, whether it be, you know, through I don't know what their criteria is, whether it be an education or um, accreditations or whatever, but they stay, they got it figured out. Well, you know, I mean, it's good to have people who have a plan, you know, at the helm of whatever it is that you're trying to, trying to create with the wealth, right. you know, because right. wealth can be long-term or, or wealth can be generational. And I think that we're, a lot, a lot of us are only now, you know, getting a, um, getting a handle on what generational wealth is, you know, yeah. Yeah. uh, into the next generation how do we prepare them you know and how do we take our legacy you know a lot of us you know uh, we don't have living trust you know we don't so this is what i'm finding out we don't have a living trust and i'm only finding this because i'm experiencing this right now i recently lost my mother um and uh, father is uh is you know Let's face it. My father's 87 years old, and um, being transparent, he he has Alzheimer's and he's blind. And uh, you know, we're just trying to uh, trying to take care of him. Have uh, I just had the courts appoint me as a uh, as conservator for my dad? But oh. still, at the same time, they die without a living trust or a will. Now, yeah. as people. This happens over and over and over again. So yeah. your home, your home goes into probate. Right. And um, either you're going to uh, come out on the side where, okay, after the law gets finished with it and the creditors, you know, get paid and everything, you're going to have little or, or nothing left, or you're going to have nothing left because you didn't pursue it or someone yeah. comes with a tax lien or something of that nature and takes up your the property so it doesn't stay in the family. So, you know, um, learn. If you're on this podcast, learn about um, having the will and having the living trust, yeah. you, know, that, yeah. you know, and create wealth, you know, for the next generation. Absolutely. Um, that's important. Uh, my wife and I just recently uh, had the living trust done uh, to make sure that uh, you know, that we create something, you know, for, for the future generation. Yeah. But we've been cheated out of our money and cheated out of our uh, property for a long time. And ignorance is really no excuse. You know, we, if we, if we are going to create something, reparations or not, you know, yeah. you're going some generational wealth you have to start now and not later you know that's uh, true that's uh, and i think that's that's the main thing part of and 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 going back to legacy you know i mean legacy that i leave is not in dollars and cents you know legacy i'm leaving to my children is in love and preparation you know for uh for them to be committed be assets, you know, to the life, to their family, and to their communities, and not liabilities. You know? Yeah, 
and that's yeah. what you know, that's that's one of the main focuses that I have, you know, in life is to make sure that you know they know their value, they know their worth, you know. Yeah, because the, the new generation, uh, I do believe that through social media, there's it's it's greatly affected the view of their worth. The, you know the the comparative nature of of the day to day life of the new generation is like it's it's mind blowing. Matter of fact, I with the new generation, I've, I've heard um, this even more so because I heard it before this generation, but this this push towards um, less religious and more spiritual. You know, you hear that a lot. Like, I'm, I'm not religious. I ain't a religious person. I'm, I'm spiritual, but but I'm not religious. And what does that mean? <laughs> what, and that's what, what I'm going to ask you. In your opinion, is, is there a difference in, in being religious and being spiritual? Um. There's a difference between being moral and ir and ir and immoral, immoral. You know what I'm saying? I think that uh, how someone labels themselves spiritual or or religious, you know, uh, has to do with what you're committed to. What, right. what are you what, what are you committed committed to? Uh, a lot of time it has to do with faith. You know, in I believe faith in God. Um, people say, well, there are many gods, there are many different faiths. That's, that is true. But my perspective is only uh, the God that I know. Now, that, does, that doesn't mean I haven't studied other religions. I, I believe that if you're going to commit it, especially if you're going to be a Christian, you have to understand what it is that you are committing yourself to. You believe in the the tenets of Christianity, you believe in faith in God um, and salvation through Jesus Christ, his resurrection, you know, his, his birth, burial, and resurrection, you know, that uh, unites us with God. God becomes our father and joint, Jesus Christ is our, our, our joint heir, you know, and our inheritance is that of, you know, of, uh, of an afterlife that we are one with God. Yeah. So those are the, for me, those are the tenets of Christianity. That's what I believe in. I believe in um, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe that you only come to those beliefs if the Holy Spirit pricks your heart. So people who say, I don't believe in Jesus, but have you given them a chance? Have you given them the opportunity? Have you, you know, have you um, looked into, you know, what Christianity uh entails and for me you know and yeah you, as james you, you you grew up in you know in a faith-based home but you know uh we talk about you know uh christianity being a relationship and not a religion you know and our relationship yeah. is with god through jesus christ so <clears throat> uh people who are spiritual say i'm spiritual whether they say you know well i believe in the universe you know or I mean, what are you basing that on? What's your authenticity? You know, oh. and with Christ, with Christianity, there has to be an authentic, uh, an authentic Christianity has to do with you know believing that the Bible is, is the word of God, not uh, you know believing that the Bible is the word of God, and that you know um, 
it was revealed through the writers and then, you know, and, and through the life of Christ, you know, and it's, um, you know, and, and when you embrace it, you become one with God through the Holy Spirit, oh. you know. So you, when you say, uh, oh, I believe in the universe, universe, I mean, is that something that you heard one day and say, oh, yeah, that sounds good? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Or, uh, you know, a beliefs out there. But is there something that you have embraced? Right. And are really, you know, willing to live and die for, you know. Right. And, so, and I, I don't know if that happens in, I don't know if the people say that in other countries. I know, you know, it's more of an American thing that I've heard, you know, more and more over time. But like, but with that, do you feel like, but that's our perspective, right? I mean, we I mean, it really we, is. Can only we can only talk about that which we know, you know. And I, and I, as I said before, I'm no expert in anything. I'm a lifelong learner, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It's, I think that the the embracing of the universe is universal. <laughs> do, you, do you think that their views on it? would be different if they still had prayer in schools? Well, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I, you know, I talked about that because we, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the subjects and, that we might touch on, but I didn't ne I never had prayer in school in the Richmond School, in Richmond Unified School District. I don't remember there being prayer in school. Oh. I remember having some teachers who... All right, man. Uh, that's our time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you good. <laughs> I remember having some some teachers, you know, who were religious. You know what I'm saying? Oh. But I remember here in in the Uni Richmond Unified School District that I that I grew up in having prayer in school. Now, my wife Sandra says that she remembers having prayer in school, and she grew up in. I think she was in Oakland or Berkeley, you know, I, I tease her about because she went to parochial school, but she said when she, she went to uh, uh, public school, she says she remembered having prayer in school. So I don't know what the impact on America, whether they had prayer in school in the Midwest, whether they had prayer in school, you know, uh, in the far West, I mean, the far East or, far east i mean the east coast you know <laughs> or california you know uh yeah. i i you know when i was growing up i don't remember having having prayer in school but <clears throat> i think that more so prayer in the household hmm. has a greater impact um when we get you know uh and you know in our christian faith you know in black Christian Black Baptist faith, we talk about you know not just who, um, uh, who you are, but whose you are. That we belong yeah. to, you know, and yeah. when that the community when that leaves the house, then you get issues. Uh, oh. It's how you react or are proactive, you know, that impacts your life and those who are around you. Because I believe our, when I say spirituality um, impacts others around us, you know. Yeah. I have, um, 
a mentoring program that God gave to me. I say it was God who gave it to me because literally I woke up at night and and recognized, you know, what uh, this acronym for Giants was, you know. And, giants, like San Francisco Giants. Not San Francisco Giants, uh, but Giants, Inc., which is an acronym for Gentlemen of Integrity, aspiring to be noble, transformed, and successful. And that is based upon what I've experienced, you know, in both my secular uh, working with youth and my ministry as a youth minister working uh, with young people. But um, I was asking God, where my greatest impact going to be? Yeah. And, uh, and how do I... Um, how do I put it into uh, terminology that can be understood both by those who would be part of the um, the Giants, you know, mentoring program and also by the world that would embrace, hopefully embrace, you know, uh, the Giants mentoring concept. Yeah. And that's what God, God gave to me. And when All we talk, right. about, you know, we're talking about for me. A uh, gentleman never looks uh, looks down on a person unless they're helping them up. Oh. And, um, awesome. Integrity has to do with, you know, doing the right thing, even though no one's looking. That's a fact. That's a uh, fact. As, aspirations for, you know, you know, as a child, you know, you have aspirations. You, I mean, you have kids who want to be, whether they want to be a great athlete or they want to be a great mathematician or lawyer, you know. It's an aspire. It's something lofty to aspire to, you know. Um, nobility for me is a big one because nobility for me has to do with your inheritance. You are an heir to the throne. And in my, in, 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 in the case of giants, it's about being an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you know. Uh-huh. So God is our father, therefore we are heirs of God. And that's where our nobility comes from. It has nothing to do with a hierarchy. It has nothing to do with a magistrate or a monarchy or anything like that. But once we learn whose we are, then that impacts what we do. We don't want to bring shame to our father. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, nobility and then, you know, transformation um, giant, uh, the T in giant transformation has to do with a metamorphosis that occurs in your life. Oh, you know, we talked about metamorphosis being a caterpillar to a butterfly. What's your butterfly moment? You know, what's your cocoon moment? You know, cocoon moment. Yeah, yeah. Into you know whether our transformation, and not only are we being transformed, but we are able to transform. We're able to transform our families. We're able to transform our communities. We're able to transform others by our impact. And success simply has to do with um, long-term, short-term and long-term goals in life. Yeah. And to try to teach that to a young person and for them to embrace that, you know, and for them, it means that they have to be a lifelong learner. And not only that, but as you know, we talked about you know um, uh, each one reach one. But you know, um, giants beget giants. 
So, you know, on a peer learning, peer mentoring term, they can teach their own, they can teach their own peers the same um, terminology and the same uh, impact and, and characteristics, you know? Yeah. You know, it all begins. And, and, and like I said, you know, I mean, even with religion, you know, it begins in the home. It doesn't, I don't think it begins in school. Yeah. I think I think the the idea of it from what it felt like number one this is part of the 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 the, the MAGA idea is that you know America used to be more of a, a Christian you know Protestant uh, you know country a God fearing country embrace that embrace slavery right we, we we're not even gonna go and we'll do that another time but yeah. uh, when they talked about you know or not they but when people talk about um, prayer being in schools uh, in so many words they're saying religion being in schools and then the idea it sounds as though maybe a, a later guest will correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds as though the idea was if somehow it didn't make its way into your ears at home well then while school is teaching you reading and arithmetic and all the other um hardcore lessons that you need to learn to to prepare you for life we will also teach you the the greatest foundation that you need to take you through life. It doesn't negate what should have happened at home, but just like you should have learned to read at home, or you should have learned what one plus one at home. But uh, you know, it 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 doesn't always happen. And, and I mean, I guess the the question kind of is trying to figure out this whole idea of, of less yeah, religion. I- spiritual awakening you know where where did it come from and and what kind of curves it to get it back to god you know what i mean where he's the yeah. focus what i think james is that i mean yeah um school is definitely an out an extension of the home but when you have educators most of the time you i mean especially in rural america I mean, you have farmers. I mean, the the father they they wanted it was it was about farming, you know, from from sun up to sundown or before the sun got up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. educated, um, they may not have known, you know, one plus one. They knew how to, you know, how to get their 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 crops to the market and get paid for it, whether they were getting a right. fair share for their their harvest. I think the people who were buying from them, you know, set the, you know, they 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 set the amount that they were going to get paid for, and oftentimes, you know, often farmer is the one that got cheated. Sure. You know, he didn't get a fair fair market price for his for his product, you know, right. or his produce. Or, so you send your children to school. Hopefully, you know, they'll learn. They'll come back to the farm, and they'll help you manage your farm better. Or they'll go out into the world and they'll, you know, they'll make something of themselves, you know. That's yeah. that's what father's dream is, is always to, you know, make sure that their children do better than they did, you know. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Now, sending them to church, you know, or sending them to, or, or prayer being in school, how much time, because I didn't grow up, like I said, in that uh, I mean, if, 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 you're, if you're thinking that, that well, um, God is going to watch over them while God watches over us everywhere, you know. Uh, 
whether or not I don't know how much time was devoted to prayer in school and whether or not they had Bible study in school, you know, things of that nature, you know. Um, it, but Bible study helps, you know, if you are going to um, have a relationship. And we need to focus on the relationship because the vertical relationship with God is what impacts our horizontal relationship with others. And so... I mean, when you look about society and whether that, whether, whether, what that's coming from, you know, Bull Connor was right. Bull Connor. Yeah. You know that word, that, that name. Well, so Bull Connor was one of the, um, uh, one, one, one of the officers who was noted for having turned the fire hoses and sub uh, fire hoses on protesters and, and, uh, and you know, and 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 sicking dogs on on protesters and things like that. He was a Sunday school teacher. Wow. So. Wow. Your perspective on Bible. Remember, these were you know this was the southern this was southern Bible toting you know, Bible spouting people who put on hoods. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm pretty true. sure pastors that were part of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh yeah, absolutely. So and, you know, and and thought probably thought it just you know further their their call. They they didn't look at it in any bad way. They didn't. <laughs> there was no right. issue for them at all. Right. So you know. So so um, saying that our perspective on on God. Uh, I don't know what happened. I was uh, pulling up. Uh, I'm just saying you have to go. You have to go a lot. You have to go a lot deeper in your um in in your relationship with God oh. to get your perspective. You get your perspective on God truly is. Is yeah. he a God people? You know, for all time, or is he a God of one people? you know, for their purposes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. But I, I died for all all of our sin. Not y'all sin, but all, all of our sin. Yeah. And um man, I really like that the the Giants program. I know you didn't didn't ask me, but just saying just because I know you're in the Bay Area and to call the Giants and that's such a great acronym that I honestly feel like whether it's directly related um, in some type of partnership or just kind of distantly associated by 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 colors or whatnot that that's kind of a cool branding especially for kids is to brand it to look like the San Francisco Giants like the, the <laughs> baseball uniforms I feel like when, when you know when you start doing the programs and you have the shirts and the gear. I feel like that's a cool branding idea is to make it look kind of like the San Francisco Giants, but these are these are different giants. You know what yeah. I mean? These giants in the world are going to do more than any baseball game could ever do. These young gentlemen. My son, my sons would probably concur with you, you know, yeah. being Bay Area. And I think and, and I think that's generational because for me, the Giants weren't champions. They they were in the Bay Area for fifty years before <laughs> before I grew up with the Oakland A's. I'm from the 
East Bay, you know. So um, I mean, if they was called the A's, I'd be with you, you know. But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't, I, 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 I can't subscribe to, you know, to that Giants, you know. But I mean, what we do have is the coat of arms, though. You know, yeah. coat of arms that you know talks about strength and and uh, uh, integrity and you know things of that nature. I'll share, I'll share that with you at, at another time. But um, it's more, it, it's more the concept, you know, than, you know, um, and, you know, when, when we come up with a logo, I mean, I do actually have, I have logos, but, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. let us know. We'll, we'll hopefully help you get the word out. Like I was telling you, um, next Tuesday, I have um, um, Kier coming on who has a barbershop and he also does mentoring um and so i i want to get you guys connected like i said both in the bay area both focused heavily on the youth and and trying to pour into them and there's there's one thing that you know me and him have talked about you and i've talked about and both of your missions are helping to aid in this but we know that the the prison population has way too many of us you know, it has way too many um, of men and women that look like, you know, our communities. And so the things that you're doing and the things that he's doing, I feel like you're trying to uh, make sure that the next generation lessens that population. So in, in your opinion, uh, along with having parents send their kids uh, or kids being involved in, in programs like Giants, what what should we be doing uh, to 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 make sure that this travesty ends soon? I think the only thing that <clears throat> that we can do as uh, is is operate, you know, as a community. I think too many people operate individually, you know, uh, to try to impact, you know, and that's like with getting one one drop of water in the bucket, you know. Uh. But when we operate as a community, you know, uh, we can we can feel faster. You know, remember the old. Uh, uh, well, you know, of course, we have fire hydrants and and um, uh, you know, fire hose, things like that, you know, to help put fires out. Right. Yeah. You used yeah. to have bucket brigade, you know, I mean, one person filling the bucket by the time they get to the house, you know, it's just a drip in the in the pot, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> but but it's still working as a team, you know, as opposed to one person filling the bucket up and then trying to, you know, throw it on 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 the fire. We have a fire right. in this country, yeah. you know. Um, my wife and two of my sons, you know, both both work in the California um, corrections um, division, you know. My wife as an administrator and, and, and my two sons, one as a probate, uh, uh, Brandon as a uh, parole agent and Michael as a um, as a correction officer in San Quentin. Hmm. I got to get they, them on the show. They see, yeah, definitely. Uh, they see the population. Um, a lot of it has to do with attitude, but the attitude is grown from something, you know? Uh, it's grown from our communities, and 
whether people want to believe that there's a systemic racism, you know, that plays a part in, you know, in, in choices that people make in life or not. Choice that uh, people are making, our people, young black people are making wrong choices. I mean, we literally have um, uh, generations who are sharing cell, uh, sharing prisons, fathers and sons in the same prison, you know. Oh. So, uh, when the community is impacted by uh, economic disparity and people um, um, turn to crime and then you're not uh, represented well in not get due process yeah you know uh, then that that entail you know makes the uh, the prison population grow with one culture over one, uh, over, you know, so right. it all, it, it all, uh, is impacted It all, you know, we have to, we have to start somewhere, legislation, um, um, economic growth, opportunities, education, mm. you know, all work, all working together. Right. It is, there, there is a pipeline from, from you know, from, from ghetto poverty to uh, the prison. Oh yeah, but <clears throat> when, you know, when you when you're railroad, when you're not giving them, you know, their due process, when uh, you're assigning uh, public defenders and you're making deals and you're telling people they need to plea bargain because they don't know what the rights are. Right. All, right. Course you're gonna fill the fill the prison now you got not just uh government run prisons but you have private prisons private prisons a lot of money off of your labor a lot of money a lot of money being made off of a lot of people yeah. you know that look like you and i uh -huh. uh, and and not getting the honest day's wage for honest day's work and getting their you know the rights stricken away from them and you know all of that the new slave. That's it. The new slave. You said it. I didn't. <laughs> I bought good. So you know, but you know, yeah, we all have to have to have to do our part. We can't just talk it. We have to walk it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, brother Eric. We're gonna we're gonna end with this. Now, this I did not. Uh, prep you for so we're gonna see how we do, but I like to do top fives here on the show. Um, you know, we've done top five uh, RB groups, we've done top five funk bands, we've done top five rap artists, female art, uh, rap artists, rap groups. I mean, top five comedy movies, I've done them all. So, give me a give me a simple one now, don't don't have me wrecking my brain. <laughs> I, I think I I believe because I know you are a man that has a, a a great sense of humor as well. So I think you'll be good with this one. I need your top five stand-up comedians of all time. Okay, uh, you know it's interesting. I saw something on Facebook recently, and they they had a group, and then they said, you know, rank your top three or what have you, and it wasn't. Uh, first off, it wasn't 
stuff. It didn't, for me, give credence to some of the, um, in in my my generation and beyond, some some of the originators, you know, yeah. um, and some people that impacted, you know, comedy me. Uh, so, growing up, we had LPs. Families would get in their in the families, the kids way, but but uh, growing ups in the in the front room, listening to Richard Pryor talking about Mudbone and all of that, you know. <laughs> Richard Pryor was hilarious. Yes. Uh, he, so yeah, Rich, Richard number one. Number one. Number one. <clears throat> I love it. Okay, so uh, I have to go. Getting about controversy, impacted generations. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. I'm with you. He had the Cosby kids. He had, you know, um, yeah, um, uh, the Cosby Show. You know, we watched those movies. Watched them grow up. Uh, Fat Albert. I I I laughed with my great niece the other day. We watched Saturday Night. Uh, uptown Saturday night, Uptown Saturday. Go back in your in your catalog, James, and see um, Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. Oh, have you I ever love- seen? Yes. Oh, classic. Yeah. Um, a piece of the action. Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. You know, yeah, and they're a great duo in that movie. Great, duo. great. So, um, Bill Cosby has to be uh, number two. You know, okay. Um. Oh man, there's there's so many good ones, man. But you know, um, right now, I mean, he's talented. He has his hands and everything. I got I gotta go with Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is he's a master at quick wit. You know, um, kings of comedy. You know, Steve Harvey show. uh, My wife and I. Before we go to bed every night, we go to bed with the television watching us. But because of the draining that society does on you and life itself, we we have to go to bed with with some with some laughter. Absolutely, so, gotta laugh. Go to bed we'll, smiling. We'll put the Steve Harvey show on and we'll just laugh. You know, <laughs> you know we love you know in, in living color and, and even you know if you haven't seen the Carmichael's with Gerard Carmichael, it's hilarious. You know because mm. it's so politically charged. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that particular show has on it four four stand up comedians. Mm. So you have yeah, Gerard. Yeah, yeah. You have Carmichael. You right. have Lor- You have um, David Allen Greer and right. Tiffany Haddish. All in 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 the cast, you know. Yeah. Yep. So you know, um, but um, going back to my 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 list, man, um, <clears throat> I will laugh at Kevin Hart. As a comedian, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself, you know. Yes. Yes. And this is true. Kevin does short jokes more than anybody else, man. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, this is true. This is true. He's hilarious. He he is hilarious. He really is. He really is. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like effortless. 
he's one of those guys that's so effortlessly hilarious that it it he he comes across like it's just easy to do. Yeah, yeah. That's one yeah. thing I know about Kevin. Kevin will make you think that standing in in a Philadelphia stadium in front of sixty thousand people is a nonchalant, easy evening out. Like it's not it's that ridiculous. Easy. I mean, I'm. Never, I think. I mean, he's one of the few people that I will have a heart attack. I have to watch. I have to take my blood pressure watching Kevin. <laughs> Hard to catch my breath. He's absolutely, you know. All right. But, so we got Richard Pryor, number one. Uh, we got Bill Cosby, number two. We got Steve Harvey at number three. We got Kevin Hart at number four. What rounds? Who rounds out the list? Number five. It's got to be Sinbad. Sinbad. Oh, my goodness. I love Sinbad. Sinbad is hilarious. He's so underrated, man. I feel like he doesn't make it to enough top five, top ten greatest comedians. He don't make it to enough lists. Yeah, you got to you gotta put Sinbad in there. If, if anybody hasn't seen Sinbad, you just got to watch his, his, oh, his, his man. Sinbad to tell you because, you know, they killed him on Wikipedia. They did. They did. <laughs> he had a whole routine about how they killed him. Who killed him off? He said, "I didn't stay dead long enough." Right. Said, right. I could have came back as Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Sinbad is a goat. He is like one of the best ever. I, ever. I probably seen him three or four times live. You know. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, nice. yeah, but you know. Uh, yeah, and that's based on my experience. And there's yeah. so many there, you know, there's so many more. You that, know. That's a respectful, that's a respectable list, man. That's that's some heavy hitters. Yeah, and you know, if you ever if um I mean one of the funniest movies that I love to laugh at has stand up comics in it, and that is um 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 Roscoe um Roscoe Brown. The Roscoe Brown? What is it? With you, Martin? You talking about Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins? Oh, Roscoe what? Jenkins. 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 Roscoe Jenkins. Yes. Yeah. Monique. Mike Epps. Martin Lawrence. Cedric the Entertainer. Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> and I love that you brought it up because it's such a a slept on movie. I, I was just telling my cousin who I had on, uh, I believe episode 17 um, or 16, but I had him on. We were talking about that because I gave him top five comedy movies oh, of yeah. all time. He put yeah. Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins in the top five. And I was telling him, I wa- I have it in my in my um, iTunes playlist. I watch it all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to watch oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That that movie is is yes yes. If you love comedy, you'll laugh from top to bottom. You nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Well, brother Eric, it has been a great time with you, sir. Thank you for all of your knowledge, experience, opinions, your wisdom. You've done a lot. We get it. You're not an expert. Most of us aren't, but you are an expert at what Eric Clay knows, what Eric Clay has experienced, and we appreciate you sharing that with us. The last thing I I need to ask is I'm pretty sure there are going to be 
parents or teenagers or um, other leaders that watch this and are interested in your Giants program, do you already have a way for people to contact you or to get in touch with the Giants organization? Well, um, you they can contact me at my email. I've uh, <clears throat> because my Giants Inc. Uh, uh, um, my um, copyright and everything had had run out on 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 the, on that. And you know, uh, okay. what's the, what's the email? But uh, you can contact me at H E I R I C number two at gmail.com. All right. I will put that in the chat. I mean, not in the chat, in the uh, show description for everyone. So anyone that wants to reach out and contact Brother Clay, they will be able to. Sir, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. I appreciate you. Please come back and uh, we'll have some more great discussions. And I appreciate you and what you're doing. And hopefully, you know, um, uh, this podcast blow up and blow off to the so god bless you james nephew thank you sir god bless you thank you for having me on appreciate it all right y'all that has been episode 20 of the pod is good podcast we are here to entertain and empower i hope that you all got something out of it if you enjoyed the content please subscribe to the show please share the broadcast next time you see it come up Each one, teach one, iron sharpens iron. We will get better together, not apart. We'll see y'all on the next one. Peace out. Peace and love.